Hello and welcome to bonus episode number seven of the Book Wars podcast. I'm Kristen and I'm here with Kate and Chris and we are finally talking about Battlefront 2 and the Resurrection downloadable content, um, which is an EA game that we uh, all played on the PlayStation 4 console, but it has a lot. uh, This was like the first time it had a single player playthrough, right? For a Star Wars game, uh, someone who knows first time, first first time in a while. Back in the day, Didn't Kotor have a. I mean, Kotor definitely had single player. Yeah. The original Battlefront games, or at least the original Battlefront two, had single player, but Battlefront one, which came out in twenty fifteen with Force Awakens, did not. Can we have two seconds for for the original Battlefront two that was apparently so bad that they forgot that it existed and made Battlefront two. Super Battlefront 2. <laughs> no, it wasn't bad. It was good. Then what happened here? They just rebooted the whole Battlefront franchise. But they only had two games. Instead of you seeing me, why did they reboot it yeah, instead why of the just fuck calling Ball- it Battlefront 3? Yeah. Because Lucasfilm was like, new beginnings everywhere. Ugh, so extra. Anyway. <laughs> Arbitrary. That's why. <laughs> because Star Wars. Um, yes. Before we get, speaking of Star Wars, before we get into Star Wars, what are you guys drinking tonight? tea yay um what kind yes roasted almond tea it's basically like drinking apple pie it's great yum uh so i'm double fisting i am drinking drinking (laughs) drinking oh jesus it's really thursday i am drinking um um hendrick straight out of a glass because i'm depressed and then i didn't even see that until right now (laughs) and also tea and also tea, except um, it's different tea from Chris, because Chris hates this tea. Um, it's dandelion tea, and he thinks it tastes like, I don't know, weeds or some shit. No, it's it's honeysuckle tea, and I oh, think okay. it tastes like dandelions. Yep, uh, it tastes like honey. It's delicious. Whatever, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Kate, you're like the queen right now with your tea and your, except for not white and less problematic. And no corgis. Uh, no cor- Not enough corgis, mm-hmm. honestly. <laughs> Um, I'm drinking beer because it's a day of the week. Um, (laughs) uh, and also because we also recorded yesterday an episode that will come out in the future, just like this one will also come out in the future. So I went and got beer yesterday. Um, I'm drinking another (laughs) Fort George beer. Surprise, surprise. Um, and I've had this one on the pod before, but not in a while. Um, this is the optimist, uh, which I think they used to call a pale, and now they're calling an IPA again. They keep going back and forth, I think, because they keep cha- tweaking the uh, recipe a little bit. Um, but it just says, a crisp, clean IPA with floral hints and an upbeat attitude. Which like is why you. I called it the optimist. Yeah. Um, and it has, like, little up arrows all over it. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> not, like, all over it, but, like, you know, how Fort Torch does their, like, RCS cans. I'm like, oh, these are actually just up arrows. These are cute. Um so yeah, that's good. I I crack it now. That can is happier than me. It's a small boy. <laughs> and then of course I have a, a cold snack, Montucky, on hold in case I need it <laughs> as well. Since this has been another week. <laughs> um. Ah. So <laughs> let's let's shall we Star Wars? Yes. <laughs> 
let us let us um, the, the thing. I think Kate's going to lead us through the discussion. Um, the entire outline. She wrote the entire outline. <laughs> well, I know. I Well, I went to go add stuff, and I was like, well, this is really thorough, and anything I would be adding would not add anything to this discussion, so I will not add it. Um, but I think I can at least uh, – we can – oh, my gosh, dog. I hear you. I hear you. I know. <sighs> okay. Um, the So I think we can kind of at least – for people who haven't played the game, there's obviously going to be game spoilers just like there is on every episode of everything we do on this podcast. But um, if you even if you haven't played it, I think uh, you're still going to really enjoy uh, what we're talking about here. But I think uh, let's start with, with time and place just because um, – we really do have a story here. It's kind of like the beginning of a book in a way. Um, but we we start like right before Endor, right? That is correct. Yeah, I got a thing, right? Yeah, you did it. Um, yeah, we, we start there. I'm trying to remember at this moment. Um, Inferno Squad, the book by Christy Golden, started right after Yavin, right? During Yavin. During Yavin. Oh, yes. right, because... Duh, because I'm flying through the fucking debris field, right? So we kind of go, we we go from like one Death Star to the second Death Star, mm-hmm. like in that time in between. But the book and the the end of the book and the beginning of the game ish. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Aiden is one of very few individuals who is present for the destruction of both Death Stars. When you well, think about it, lucky her. <laughs> I mean, it's her. It's Han and Luke and Chewie, and it's Vader. Yep. And that's kind of it that we know of. It's a lot of our characters, though, Chris, to be fair. <laughs> it's, it's a good number of characters. <laughs> well, not anymore, but it was if it was the original trilogy. I'm like, yeah, I think most of them were. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Now I'm just being obtuse. But <laughs> that is true. We're talking about Death Star number two right now, or Death Star 1.7. Right. And so the main campaign of the game goes from... That's our number two going kablooey and the Battle of Gekku, which marks the end of the Galactic Civil War. So it starts to overlap a little bit with other books we've read. So what? Lost Stars, um, Aftermath, mm-hmm. all of that. And then the DLC is literally right before The Force Awakens. So <laughs> there's that. concurrent too, actually, now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it ends, the, the Star- DLC ends with... Circular base exploding, yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy right this it like this this book moved i mean this book oh my god this is a book podcast but we're not talking about books because it's a bonus episode um yeah it covered a, a really big it answered a lot of questions for us i think filling a lot of gaps it did but it did it in a way that didn't feel like whiplash which i appreciated yeah definitely um i think it, it also helps that um it's definitely a game for people who are sort of just getting into Star Wars and aren't super familiar with it, but also um, for, for I think for us as uh, longtime fans, it was also really rewarding just um, getting, again, um, a behind-the-scenes perspective um, on the Empire, but also the inner workings of the Rebellion from, mostly from the perspective of people who weren't Force users, which I thought was great, um, mm-hmm. and there's really never enough of that in Star Wars, especially in a visual format, so that was cool. 
Yeah, and just for a little background for people, if you haven't played the game, um, one of the things that, I don't know whether or not it made this unique as a Star Wars game or what, but um, you played as, as different characters all through the the um, the campaign, um, which was cool. I mean, that just brought us a bunch of different people. I, I think we basically knew everyone before this that was in the game, right? As Except for... Uh, Z- Zay, C, what's her Zay. name? Zay. Zay, thank you. Sorry. And Shriv. And Shriv. Yeah, and yeah. Shriv. This is the first time we saw Shriv, right? Yes. Okay, cool. My best yeah, but everybody else, it was all people that we've at least seen around. Yeah, definitely. So that was cool. Yeah, it was a it was a good balance. I think it was pretty much um, alternating chapters between Iden's story and then you playing as some actual, like, Star Wars character who has had a long history in the canon, so that yeah. was that was fun. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I mean, this was my first Star Wars game that I've ever played, so unsurprisingly, <laughs> I'm same. that person again. <laughs> I mean, same. Um, oh, really? I didn't. I didn't realize that. Oh no! So this is we're we're gonna we're gonna do a tangent, but it's gonna be related. Um, so my, the first the first console game I ever played was back in. Was it 2014, 2015-ish? Um, when you got what are we talking about? Last of Us? Yeah. Probably 2015. Yeah, so that was the first console game I played, which was kind of a... On the one hand, kind of a doozy of a console game to start off with because it's such heavy material and, you know, it, it's definitely a shooter and it doesn't pull punches on that. But also, I mean, it's a shooter after a certain point. You, you fucking shoot things. Cool. Um, <laughs> because And the, the reason that that was... My first console game is that, um, number one, when I was a kid, I grew up real poor and we couldn't afford to get a fucking console. And second of all, uh, one, Keeks, I don't, I don't know if you had this experience, but you know how when you were in like middle and high school and boys were playing video games and then like you would try and they would just fucking make fun of you because no one ever tells girls that you don't start off good at video games right off the bat and it's just because they log a million billion hours in front of the TV, like fucking losers that they're actually good at it yeah i had i mean we i did uh i think i had like original game boy which was wild because like i didn't understand like i have no idea why we got those (laughs) i I don't even remember asking for them which i'm like what so arbitrary what my parents like drew the line on but they didn't but so like but we rode those out for like a long time Sure, (laughs) like that's what we had so like i was actually really good at like game boy games but then when i like moved to something with two joysticks and i was was like oh i cannot do this right it's very hard like, I was using the D-pad on my PlayStation, and everybody was like, you're not supposed to use that. You're supposed to use the other doodad. And I was like, I, I just want to use the D-pad. I'm sorry. Dude, that's that's so r- I also had a Game Boy, but all I played was fucking Pokemon, and I was always, like, crashing into the bushes and stuff, so, like, that wasn't good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it, it just, um, we're, we're, we're way off that line, but I don't really care, because talking about um, gender in video games is really important right now, especially after Gamergate. Like, we have to be talking about these things, um, because they're important. Um, and I had a point here. Oh, there it is. Um, and so, which is why it's really cool that, um, my first Star Wars game, like, for me personally, is that, like, I got to play as a woman protagonist, and I got to play as Leia, and, you know, and I got to be running, 
you know, I got, I got to be controlling this, like, super badass um, Star Wars hero who just also happens to be a woman. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, we we love Aiden anyway. Oh, yeah. So, it was great to fucking see her. Absolutely. And um, we'll get into, like, what she means for the broader fandom and the uni- universe and all that a little bit later. But um, I just want to say it, like, right at the top. We were big Aiden fans. And it was just super cool for me as a woman to, like, just be playing as this really competent person in a universe where gender literally didn't matter at all. Like, she, like, she was, she had two dudes, um, under her command, and, like, the reason why Hask was sassing her was not because she was a woman, but because she was better than him. Seriously. It was awesome. Chris, I'm going to ask you a softball question that you better answer correctly. (gasps) Did playing as a woman diminish anything for you as a gamer? (laughs) No. Big if true. <laughs> no, but I mean, so it didn't make you want to shun women forever and tell us to stop playing video games. No, weirdly enough, it did not make me start bleeding out of orifices spontaneously. <laughs> so crazy. Like, did it like make you like bust out in like eye diseases to have to look at Janina Gavankar's face as as Aiden because somebody tweeted that at her. No, Janina Gavankar's hot. <laughs> She's so hot. Oh, she, my God. Is, she's beautiful. Oh. I was like, I need to stop doing this. I know it's based on a real person, and it's like a whole thing. It's very well acted, but I'm like, God, it just feels weird to yeah. be like, that cartoon character is hot. <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, it's it's a thing It's a thing that happens. No, Kenan Kamonikar is beautiful inside and out, and I'm glad she was the person who was portraying Aiden for Fuck yeah. many reasons. Um. <laughs> Well, thank, thanks, Chris, so, so for, for that lovely, pithy, and correct answer so I didn't have to throw you off the balcony. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, what I loved about the game is, or part of what I loved about it is just how well they tied it into the rest of the universe. Because, like, especially since it's, you know, a development team that hasn't worked that much with the story group, you kind of wonder how much it's going to be tied in. But then, of course, right off the bat, we found out that Inferno Squad was going to be the tie-in novel for... Uh, for for the Battlefront 2 game. And it mattered in a way that, you know, the original tie-in to the original Battlefront, Twilight Company, did not matter because that didn't have a single-player campaign. So those characters were all new in the book. And I just loved what... how much of a connection and how many seeds Christy Golden was able to plant. And Kate, I know you wanted to talk about that. I, I did. I feel really bad now because I, um, at the time we were reading it, I feel like I was kind of down on the novel. Um, and I feel real, real bad about that. So yeah, I, yeah, we should talk about that. Yeah. So Christy Golden, if you're listening, I'm really fucking sorry. Um, well, okay. To be fair, in our defense, yeah, I specifically remember us saying that it felt like she was holding things back and we wondered if she was holding things back for the sake of the video game. And it's, pretty clear at this point that that is indeed the case it's true but it they're definitely two things that go together like obviously you can enjoy both individually but having them together <laughs> makes it just so so much stronger like they're very much of a piece oh absolutely and if there's anybody any of our listeners who haven't who have played battlefront and haven't gone back and read uh inferno squad by christy golden we highly recommend you do it. We already covered it on the podcast. I don't remember what episodes. Um, I don't know. Kate, do you have the guide open? No. I 
<laughs> All right, Keeks, I, I feel I sense you wanting to talk, so do that while I look it up. Oh, well, I was just gonna say, um, yeah, obviously, like that all tied in really well. Like there was a line um, that Leia says when they are fighting on a planet whose name I don't remember. Um, at, right after Iden defects, it's literally that would, that would be Naboo, Kristen. Oh shit! It is Naboo. Fucking a. <laughs> I knew it looked familiar. Um, Jesus. So they're, but they're just like kicking around, and Iden's like not sure yet, like what her fate is gonna be. And Leia's like, "You've done some really fucked up stuff. You've fucked up this resistance a lot." And she's like, "Yes, ma'am. I know I have." <laughs> and like, that's obviously like the whole like the Inferno Squad book is like a, it's a huge arrow to that. Um, right. But. And other stuff, but you know, it. I was like, oh, direct tie-ins, great. Vague, vague references that have like you can double-click and learn more. Um, yes. Uh, yes. Um, but oh, and by the way, and then she. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say how that ends. Yeah, go. Just Leia goes, but I can tell like it's more than just like switching sides for you. Like it's more than just a fight. It's personal. Which is basically yeah, it's personal. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we cover the novel um, in episodes 20 through 23. So if you want to go um, listen to those, go ahead. But please, please keep in mind, we were, I, I feel like I was a little down on this novel. Um, so, I don't know. Somebody's going to come punch me in the face. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I feel like. Hey, we always give our honest assessment. It's, we of do. all the books that we read. We do. And I think we were fair. And I think, you know, it, speaking for myself, at least, I know that my biggest concern with the novel is as i said it felt like it was holding things back it felt like there wasn't as much character development for the main characters as i wanted there to be in the novel right and which the full arc exactly because you know in a novel you generally want more of an arc and in inferno squad it it, there explicitly wasn't an arc because it was setting up the arc of battlefront 2 the game right exactly and so looking back i completely agree with you kate that i really think they should be taken as a pair in the same story right like they're like you have you literally have part one and you have part two yeah exactly you you read part one and you play part two and the seeds that are planted in the in, in the novel are really important because you get this arc of Aiden as starting out as the super dedicated imperial who you know even after doing things that she hates herself for is still an imperial and it means that much more when she finally defects Absolutely. And her fucked up relationship with her dad. And with Hask. Ugh. So, yes. I want to talk briefly, but I'll also just talk about these individual characters because um, at, at least four, four of the characters that show up, um, both in the novel and in the game. Because I think, um, like we were saying, there's a lot of foundation work that Christy Golden does that um, really enriches the game and um, the relationships between all of them. So, um... I want to talk about Aiden and how she's changed since the novel and where we see um, the, those screens in her personality that um, would cause her to defect eventually from the Empire. Um, and same goes for Del. Uh, but I think, I think the game, like, in and of itself provides enough of an explanation for why Aiden defects, but I think it's, again, it's just richer once, once you've um, gotten the information from the novel. I mean, I think what's noteworthy and like what 
uh, what sets like the the actual point where Iden defects apart from like other things that we see. Um, it's like Hask is so centered on the mission of just bringing the one person who is the person Gleb. who is the being Gleb. Um, so so like they have a mission to go get Gleb. Um, and they find out when they go where Gleb is that it's like it's also full of like a bunch of fucking like people who are trying to get off world because like the Empire's bombing the shit out of it for unclear reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and and we find out also that this is Aiden's home world like right before this. Um, or maybe we knew that, but like it's whatever, it's reinforced. Um, gloves in the book, it's fine. Sure. Oh, sure. Oh my God, me. Um, this was several books ago. I know how to read. Um, <laughs> but now I just want to go back and read the book again so I remember things. But um, same though. But you know, Iden goes in there and is like, "Of course, we're gonna like save all these like refugees. They're here. Like we wouldn't just fucking leave them." And Hask is like, "No, that's not the mission." And she's like, "Well, fuck you. Like I'm." <laughs> I'm doing the thing. Like, I'm not going to, like, leave these beings high and dry when we're the ones bombing the shit out of the world. Right. Iden's really the kind of person where um, loyalty begets loyalty. Um, you know, if you're if you're loyal to the Empire, then she doesn't really see a reason why the Empire should be loyal to you, which is, you know, generally a, a good golden rule to go by, except it's the fucking Empire. <laughs> um, one of the things I did, I did notice about- They're only loyal to Orr. Correct. They're only loyal to fucking Dunium. Um, one of the things that I noticed, um, it's eh, four-ish years, I guess, between... Eh, maybe, uh, three. More like three. Yeah. Between um, Inferno Squad, the novel, and Battlefront. And um, you see in the novel that I know she's great. Like, she knows that she's skilled. She trusts, she trusts in herself. But she's still also trying... She's younger, so she's really trying to prove herself, especially because her dad is... Um, high up in the Imperial Navy. Um, and a piece of shit. And a piece of shit. Sorry. <laughs> I really fucking hate her dad. I mean, he sucks. Yeah, I think where we see her in Battlefront, especially at the beginning, is that, like when she um, gets herself captured, is that she's really coming to her own. She's a lot more confident. She is definitely following um, um, Admiral Versio's orders, but that's because he's her commanding officer, not because she's just like, oh, Dad, pay attention to me, please. Please approve of me, oh god. Which is like I'm not I'm not saying that like like that I'm not saying that to belittle her. Like that's a really like super real thing. Um that is that like I relate to very very much. But um yeah, it's just it's interesting to see how much what three years and losing one of your squad mates can do for your personality. Yeah, just so much more of an independent streak yeah. in her. Like it's And she's almost cocky, like in a fun way. Yeah, it's just she's doing exactly what she wants to do it happens that what she wants to do is follow orders but she's doing it because she wants to not because she was ordered to do it and i feel like that's a key difference between uh battlefront 2 iden even at the beginning and inferno squad novel iden for sure i mean and i think we just said this but how much older is she about three years yeah three years okay uh i want to say she's 27 or 28 in the game Kristen wants to know how old someone is sorry (laughs) (laughs) but um I mean the other I think the other really notable difference and I I mean I 
I don't want to just reduce them to a foil pair, but I mean, one of the reasons I love Aiden's dad as a foil for her, I mean, I don't think they're just a foil pair, but I think they do, um, they do have that kind of relationship, at least like storyline wise. Um, one of like the most notable things I think is, uh, we see Aiden refer to, um, command Admiral, which one is her dad is Admiral. Admiral okay cool thanks sorry um we see she usually refers to him as admiral versio right and then once she finds out where he is and wants to go kick his ass she's like my father like that's how she describes him to leia when she's asking for permission to go blow stuff up <laughs> right and it's it's also an interesting progression in Aiden's character from where she is in at the beginning of the novel to where she's at the beginning of the game and then once she defects because once she gets to the rebellion like she's like she really really does let loose and it's just it's kind of nice to actually um see that personality pop out of her you know we get these flashes of that while she's with the empire um like um after endor when she reports to her dad and he tells her that the emperor's dead she has that reaction like wait what what the fuck the emperor died like he can do that um no seriously though um but she like breaks her like you know her 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 good like you know standing up straight um proper um at attention military form, um so she ha- she absolutely has that in her, um but we really don't see it until she defects. Yeah, and I don't remember whether or not she was talking to Dell or to Hask, but he was I think it was Dell probably, and she was like, he asked permission to speak freely because she had like said something and she Hask, was like yeah. go it was Hask okay. I was wrong, um, <laughs> but so but they're on the surface of Endor and they're like moving moving about trying to get shit done so that they don't die and um, Hask was like permission to speak freely right after she says something and she's like, "What's up?" <laughs> and he's like, "Uh, what you just said uh, was treasonous." And she was like, "The fucking emperor's dead. What the fuck do you want from me? Everything's a fucking hot mess. The other Death Star just blew up. Don't be a fucking idiot." I know. <laughs> I love. I really love that moment for her, where she's just like, "I don't have time for incompetence. Like, even if it's the emperor, like, I don't have time for it. It's mm-hmm. so good." Well, and that's very, uh, that's very race loan of her mm-hmm. to be like. Well, maybe it was treasonous once, but, like, bitch, he dead now, and we have to stay alive, and if we want the Empire to survive, we need to start thinking, like, non-dummies. Absolutely. Hashtag capable ladies. <laughs> Capablewomenofcolor.com. Hell yes! Um, I think, I think one of the- Can we buy that? Can I have it, uh, can I have it redirect to Book Horse Pod? Oh my god. <laughs> that would be so good. <laughs> And the book worth brought us, hey guys, it's me. Um, hey, this is actually a Star Wars podcast, but I'm glad you found us. Here are some resources. <laughs> For not being a dick. Um, I think one of the other uh, significant um, seeds of, of Aiden's character arc that's planted in the book, and for Del too, is that um, you know in the book they're infiltrating um, a rebel cell, and a radical rebel cell at that. You know, these people are... Um, glorified terrorists you know they're Saul Guerrero's people um but she and Dell definitely um form relationships with these with these with these folks and they're just like oh you're like 
real people with like hopes and dreams and families and ooh, this is this is awkward and squeaky. And I don't think she forgets that, and I don't think Del does either. Um, and it's just it's because it's the human element that makes them defect. It's when they know that people are going to die. They're like, this is wrong. And, and then fucking Hask just murdered everybody. Right? Lol. Yeah, I mean, I fucking was gonna ask. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I mean, I think it relates back to one of the final scenes of the Inferno Squad novel when Hask takes it upon himself to uh, annihilate the Dreamers, who are uh, Kate, as you were saying, Sogfarer's terrorist group, the remnants of them. And that's something that really affects Aiden. It feels like you know it it shakes her at the start, first of all, because that's just not what she wanted them wanted him to do. Right. It, I just want to interject here. I think, Keeks, at one point you described it as like, you know when you have a dumb dog and they kill a squirrel and they bring it back for you and they're like, look what I did! You're like, that's, oh, don't do that! It's like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's literally, I think that's what I said. I was very proud of that. <laughs> and it's it, true! It is. And I, and I, I have a surprise for you. Oh my god. It's oh, dead! Okay. <laughs> it's a carcass! It's a dead thing. I rolled in it. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Not again! <laughs> <laughs> I have no segue. Sorry, that derailed us. <laughs> right? Um, no, but it like it does show Aiden's discomfort with wanton killing and Hask's the fact that he's totally okay with it. Which is kind of funny because Hask is always the one being like, "This is what our mission is," and it's just like, "Oh, you just murdered everybody because you felt like it." That's not necessarily well, what you were directed to do, but sure. And. I mean, we don't know if Has got any other different like directives. Not that I think that he got ordered to murder them, but I think like he probably was like, "Do whatever necessary means I get to murder all these people at the end, right?" I, yes, I think you're right. <laughs> um. Oh shit! I had another point. Oh, did you? I was kind of surprised at. I mean, I guess things had like. There, you know, I didn't get to see the, the the three years in between, but I was like, damn, I feel like Aiden would still be, like, I feel like, sorry, now I'm just straight belching into the mic. Um, I feel like Aiden, if I was, if I was, were, I don't know, subject verb agreement, who needs it? Um, <sighs> if I was Aiden in that situation, um, I would still be fucking pissed at Hask. I wouldn't trust him anymore. I mean, that is the moment but, where she stops calling him by his first name. And she, like, never does in the entire game. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even notice that. Good one. Good one, Kate. But, like, don't they, like, shoot the shit when she gets back from, like, not being dead in the very first part of the game? They do, but it's... I think it's pretty clear that she has a, a closer relationship with Del at this at the point where the, where the game's at. Just, um... By the way she talks to him, and also, um, yeah, honestly, just mostly by the way she talks to him, and especially that interaction, um, yeah. right after they defect, right after Vardos, when they're in the nebula, um, like, yeah, yeah. you don't just say that to somebody out of the blue, like, if you're having, like, a, just a very professional work relationship, like, even after, like, three, four years, like, that's not something you say to somebody. <laughs> very professional work relationship where we have intercourse in a child. Okay, that comes after. Th- okay, whatever. And it's fine. <laughs> later, later. Still, I mean, they're both members of the rebellion when that happens, right? 
Yes. Technically. That is, that is something. <laughs> so they also still have a working relationship, technically speaking. Eh, well, okay. I, I do have timeline thoughts on this. Okay, tell me. Because, so, by the time they get together at the Battle of Jakku, um, that's the thing that happens. But um, there's, like, what is it, 32 years between Endor and the beginning of The Force Awakens, right, Chris? I think 30. Right, whatever. Um, and Zay's... So she's, like, 60? She's, like, yeah. 58? Yeah, I think she's in her, like, early 60s, and then Zay is somewhere between 17 and 19, so they waited a while. And Aiden didn't join the Resistance, like, right off the bat, so I feel like she, like... Quit the New Republic and, you know, turned into a, you know, a, a, ran her cargo business and, you know, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yes, I didn't think about this because it's the way my brain works. I'm like, no, it's, it's, I, I, it's as I see it, there is no time that passes even though her hair is gray now. It's fine. <laughs> I, I did this age math just for you because I knew you would want to know. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, like, always care, but I never figure it out because I can't. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's more fun asking you guys. It's, it's funny because you're the one with the fucking econ degree and you don't do I the know. math and I can't Listen, add. On. I'm bad at math, so. I can't even add on my fingers, but you know, whatever. Um. I still use my fingers for adding. It's fine. Arithmetic, I'm bad at. Math, I'm eh. Um. Arithmetic, full bad. <laughs> full bad. Speaking of, full fil- bad. Speaking of, speaking of all pretty much full bad, Um, want to talk really briefly about um Iden's dad. Because he's another character who, you know, he's not seen as much, but he really does have, I think, a pretty clear arc from the novel to the end of the game. Um, the Dadmiral? Yeah, where he's just, like, a giant asshole, except for sometimes. Like, so at the end of the novel, you know, you find out that um, Aiden's mom dies, and she's just, like, I, she assumes that her um, mom died thinking that um, she'd betrayed the Empire because that's the story she had to put out when she went undercover um, as a double Asian with the Dreamers. And then at the end, Garrick's like, oh, no, I told her. Like, I did that for you. Um, and then you have, like, the end of the game where he's just like, I need to go down my ship and you don't deserve this because this, this is all a shit show. Please just leave and have a nice life. And I think that's it just, it's just this... The, the, like, this is the small thing, but it's just this, this, the slightest hint that he actually does, like, love his daughter, and I think, I don't, I don't know, I think, I think it's those, like, small glimmers when Aiden isn't so sure whether or not, um, her dad really is on her side, that, um, is, it's really interesting to me, especially looking at the DLC and her relationship with Zay, um, because she's, like, she jokes with her and like she like she she calls her a soldier but like it's almost kind of jokingly like it's not like her dad who's just a literally like commander versium you know <laughs> and like when she's like dying she's like she's like you know like i love you like i i i hope you know that like i believe in you because i not just because you're my daughter but because i see that like you're you're awesome and you like you grew up really really well and she's grateful for that like i think it's just interesting looking at her relationship with her dad and then her relationship with her daughter. And I think that's, it's just, eh, I have a lot of feels, that's all. <laughs> Same. Did, did anybody else, like, immediately draw the parallel between Aiden and her dad and Luke and Anakin at the end? Ooh, no! Oh. Wow! Because I was like, Aiden's dad is basically, like, 
I don't deserve to be saved. You've already saved me enough by coming here to rescue me without really saying that. Whereas like, you know, Vader slash Anakin actually says that. But I mean, that's that's first like that's what I thought of like right away. That's brilliant. I didn't even notice that. I mean, it's not brilliant. It's just what my brain did. But <laughs> my brain didn't do that, so I think it's great. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's just you know, I think you have too much Star Wars going on up there for it to like make those really easy connections. No, it's just actually all Canera. <laughs> It's all just, oh, it's, it's yeah, all yeah, Kanan yeah. crying is what it is. <laughs> it's all Kanan's uh, sighted eyes right before he dies. Ugh. Oh my god, I can't believe you just did that to me! Oh my god, Kate's face right now. I mean, it is though, like, that's what I think about constantly as well. Like, I'm not as into Kanan as you are, but like, I think about Kanan right before he dies so much. <laughs> Why do they have to do it? Dave, I hate you so much. I'm going to the pod to go cry right now. <sighs> well, I don't know. I, I thought it was, I mean, it was it, an interesting kind of like redemption, non-redemption arc, right? Because it's like we have, we see at the end of, you know, there are two very different endings. We see kind of like, um, and I'm bringing a third into this. So uh, we see... At the end of Rogue One, like, just unrepentant, like, fucking <laughs> bad, bad Empire scum, right? right? <laughs> Who's like, I got beat and I don't care, fuck you. <laughs> and then we see Aiden's dad being like, uh, I fucked up and I don't deserve to live. I'm like, okay, you're, this is very dramatic. I understand that this is a really emotional time for you. <laughs> God, but, like maybe listen to your daughter because she's real smart. <laughs> right, and then you have like the full scope of it, like over to like Luke and Anakin, where right. he does turn to the, he does turn back to the light side, but he's already dead. So <laughs> yeah, it's like well, you took the mask. The mask is off, so I'm out. <laughs> That's correct. That is a great point, but also fuck you. Um. Anyway. <laughs> um. All right. So we've talked a lot about. Iden, Iden's relationship <laughs> with Hask and her relationship with her dad. Um, I'm just gonna briefly touch on her relationship with Dell. Um, so one of my favorite things is that um, Iden and Dell are still not quite like a super super popular ship in the fandom, um, but you know they they exist so that they have fans. Um, looking at you at Chaos Bria. Um, What's their ship name? Idel. Delden. That's disgusting. Like, Why would you say I, that? Delden. I like Delden so much better than Idel. That's disgusting. I hate you both. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Idel you- sounds like some unholy computer creation. Oh my god. Just- yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, that just sounds like an Apple Dell mashup, which sounds like the worst thing I've ever Eat heard. My butthole. I'm trying to talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to hear more of um, Chaos Bria um, doing some lovely screaming analysis about um, their relationship you should definitely listen to um starships which is a podcast by um at airsats ash on twitter um she just basically does one podcast a month about a different um ship in star wars which is not not ships you fly but like relationship ships um which is great and ash is um i met her at um awesome con she's just like wonderful and enthusiastic and she's a great host um, and I highly recommend it. But 
Um, one of the things they talked about was um, at what moment they started shipping the two and at what moment they knew they were going to get together. And I was just, and I was just sitting there and I was listening to it and I was like, ha, I was shipping them before it was cool. Cause I read the book and there's literally <laughs> one paragraph in that book where um, Hask and Dell are on their way to uh, the partisans hideout and they're on uh, the pirate ship with the hot Pantoran pirate lady and um and they're getting drunk Love with her pirates. yes <laughs> and they're getting drunk with her and so Dell's getting a little tipsy and he has this this 30 second flash of a moment where he's like I think it's really pretty and then he's like mm, no mission okay I'm focused mm-hmm. we're good and I was just like so when are they gonna make out and they didn't in the book obviously and I had to wait till the end of Battlefront for them to actually make out but I was just like I ship it <laughs> and that's all I have to say about Adam and Del. <laughs> They're so cute. I know. Oh, I know. They're so cute. And you, their kid is so cute. I know. And you know they were like the best parents. I know, obviously, because Z Z Zay. Fucking, I'm sorry. One it's really hard for me. I know. Once it starts with a Z, I keep wanting to call her fucking Zeb, and that's not it. So <laughs> she's not. Zeb is this is difficult for me. A large me. purple you fuzzy know man. Names are- <laughs> You know names are hard for me, and they're both start with Z and are one syllable and short. Fuck. It's a difficult thing for me. Anyway. Yeah, Zay's fucking badass. Like, when Aiden is dying, Zay is like, um, how about you don't die? And she's like, no, I'm super dead. Um, <laughs> but I'm gonna need you to, like, be a badass. And she's like, this is difficult, but I can do it. I know. And then she does it. It's awesome. Capable ladies raising capable ladies and Del in the background being very encouraging. Like, you can ever just imagine Del with pom-poms when Zay's, like, 10 and, like, trying to figure <sighs> out how to fly and it's just like, oh. I know. You get to see, you get to pilot the fucking X-Wing with both of them. Oh. I know. I have so many feelings. It's too good. I have so many feelings <laughs> about it. Um. Alright, so last relationship I wanted to talk about and I didn't even think of this until again at chaos bray i had a really amazing amazing thread analyzing this and i'm gonna do a piss poor job of paraphrasing it so you should just like go to her twitter and like just create her timeline to just scroll back to it i think it was like um like maybe like the first week of april where she um no no no, no it was before awesome con so it was like maybe the week of awesome con um where she was analyzing um hask and um, Dell's relationship and how it doesn't really get as much attention or analysis as, you know, Aiden's relationship with other people. Um, for, for obvious reasons, but there's a lot of layers there. Um, and it's really interesting because one of the things Bri brought up was that um, at the very very end of the main campaign, um, of the main game, obviously Dell and Hask have that final confrontation and Hask has something like, um, Aiden betrayed me, but you let me down, Del. Um, and it's just... I'm pretty sure she tweeted that on, like, the 29th of March. Yeah. And it fucked me up so bad. Yeah. I think it was the day before Awesome Con. Yeah, it was right before Awesome Con. And I just, like, wanted... And I was like, fuck you, Bria. <laughs> I know. I wanted to, like, tear my face off. Because I had so many feelings. But the, anyway, the gist of it was that, you know, Hask and Aiden were childhood friends and they grew up together and they, you know, they went through the academy together and obviously they were placed on the same um, um, special forces team, but it was always a competition between them, um, which wasn't, just wasn't there with, with Del. And I mean, even in the novel, they pose as brothers. 
Um, and they and so they had that kind of relationship. Like Hask really like that was a person he could trust because he wasn't a person he was competing with. Um, and it was just, it's just really it's one of those things that I didn't think about, but when you do think about it, it's just truly heartbreaking. Like it's just it's you know Hask is always an asshole, and she should you know you know burn in the fires of Mustafar or whatever the fuck. But um, it's just ah, uh, there's just so many layers there, and I think there are. It's one of those things where it's like there are a lot more layers I think to this game than a lot of people are giving it credit for. Not that they're not giving enough credit for other things, but I really need to actually physically play through it again because there's just so much stuff to uncover. Yes, yeah, I am. I just started my second play f- playthrough, but I'm slow AF, <laughs> and even still on child mode, I'm slow AF. So. Casual. I'm still very excited. It's it's a fucking. We didn't even talk about this. It's a fucking great game. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful yes. as well, and the story is amazing. Obviously, because that's what we're analyzing. But right, like just yeah. No, I mean, the story is great. Like the the actual the graphics are incredible. I thought the the game the, the actual like gameplay was was pretty good. It was a little difficult for me because again, I don't come with a long gaming resume. Um, and making I didn't run made my fucking thumb hurt because you have to like jam the joysticks to it. Um, but that's because I have small hands, so it's fine. <laughs> Same, Kate. It's so hard. Um. All right, Chris, are you still alive over there? I am. I'm sorry. I'm very quiet tonight. <laughs> you are. It's okay. Since you're playing with your phone, it's fine. No, I wasn't. I a looked at bit. it for one second. Just make it more so I can know it, Chris. Oh boy. Um. One thing about. You know, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead on the outline a little bit and just, like, about the quality of the game is, I think... Fuck you, Chris. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think that we do have, you know, some really tangible benefits of playing in this media. <laughs> I'm out of gin! <laughs> oh, my lord. Continue. Uh, some some really interesting benefits of storytelling through a game in a in a meaningful way, which I think is pretty new for the franchise, but also just for storytelling in general it's it's not often that you get meaningful wider universes contributed to via video games um chris you have more experience in the history of video games than either of us i have a question so um one of the hallmarks i think of video games right now is how good the actual storytelling is um again Mm -hmm. like i started out with the last of us and the reason why i even bothered to play it was because i thought the story was incredible um and i just heard that um the new god of war game is the story's fucking awesome. Oh, is it? I'm excited. I need um, to play it. Right. And I'm thinking even back to the first Bioshock game. So where do you think that delineation is between, um, you know, just quote unquote, just the kind of like mindless like shooters, like I guess something like Halo or something, mm-hmm. and um, really using video games as a storytelling engine the same way you would a book or a movie or a TV show? It's funny because nobody remembers this. Halo actually had a really good story mode. My bad, I never I only, played Halo. I only played the first three. I have no three. idea. I know there's I like know nothing I know about there's Halo. At least five plus some spinoffs by now, but they're seeming like a lot of guns uh, and aliens and aliens, right? indeed, space marines and aliens. Cool. Quinn just Kool Aid Man through the door very quietly. Hi, Quinn. Hi. Hi, Quinn. Everybody says hi. Hi, guys. Oh, that was so cute. That was so pure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. Remind me what your question was. Where's the delineation between video games being, you know, quote unquote mindless entertainment where you just like murder things for fun um, and where they've started really taking on um, serious weight as a storytelling medium, like the same. Well, it's not quite the same level or rather it's not 
the same in Victoria Pollock's eye yet as novels or movies or TV shows. But when did they start actually, you know, trying to elevate the quote unquote elevate themselves to that level? I mean, I think it's 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 something that many have been trying to do since the beginning. The problem is that the capability hasn't always been there, and it's really hard to tell a meaningful story if you know you're in eight bit graphics. I was gonna ask that was my next question. Like, was was the problem with it like the graphics or the gameplay or like how clunky the gameplay was or like uh, it was game engine? I think it was mostly the graphics, honestly, okay. and just the quality of the game engine just wasn't there for uh-huh. a long time. I think with this current generation of game consoles in particular, although no, I'm gonna say it started really with the last gen with Xbox 360 and PS3 and to a certain extent GameCube as well. Uh, no, sorry, that was we. We and X- we was Xbox 360 and PS3 era. Yeah. Um, that was. I mean, also like the, when you think about the stories, quote unquote, that they had to live up to. It was like, why is he a plumber? Why does he want to get rich? <laughs> and why does this princess keep getting captured by a lizard? This is all very confusing. There's a whole story, but like none of it. I I don't. What's his motivation? Okay. Right. I mean, it's. I I'm kind of wondering if it's like a chicken or an egg thing. Like, where? Because like N64 Super Mario World World had story. It was just fucking bizarre. Well, well. See, this is my question. Like, did did we did we not think as expansively about the storytelling capabilities of video games because back then the tech was so shitty, or did we have those? ideas and we just weren't able to i think we had the ideas i think there are plenty of games if you look at and i haven't played some of these but if you look at something particularly like the metal gear solid series you look at the legend of zelda series absolutely uh there's absolutely story that you know to this day i mean legend of zelda i think is probably the other big example of trying to build an entire universe that builds on itself and multiplies purely through video games um and so i mean i think to kind of go back to bring it back to what we wanted to talk about with this podcast is just the benefits of telling stories in this medium is that we have the capability now to create a really immersive experience and to put your put you in the shoes of a stormtrooper essentially and put you in the shoes of Aiden as a tie fighter pilot and of in the shoes of luke skywalker on pilio and leia on naboo and you know it's not VR, you know, it's obviously uh, something where it can't be completely immersive because it's still a video game, which, uh, you know, and I think maybe some of the drawbacks here are that uh, it can't quite be as immersive and that creates some difficult storytelling moments, I think. But it is a more immersive storytelling experience in many ways than a book because it's just so visual and it's more immersive than a movie because it can add so much more detail with the length of it. Talk more about how you where the limitations in being fully immersed in the story is in your opinion. So I think it's also thanks for knowing things about video games. (laughs) And I was kind of like obviously kidding about Mario stuff, but I think you're totally right on with like legend of Zelda. I'm like, Oh yeah, that had like a really fucking rich story where we like cared about stuff. Oh, there's a whole, you can get like an entire like book that lays out an entire, the entire timeline of the Zelda Chronicles. It's amazing. That's really cool. Um, but I, you know, I think some of the drawbacks are the immersiveness is limited 
by the quality of the gameplay. And I think quality of gameplay is very subjective. Uh, like, I think there are some people that just don't want to play shooters who won't enjoy this story because they don't want to play shooters. I think there are some... Shooters pe- are hard. Shooters are hard. <laughs> I think there are some people that want to play that... I'm trying... I, I think the Uncanny Valley bit kind of comes into play here where, you know, you have, like, particular... Like, I love this game, but the voice actor they got for Han was not great. It was poor. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and so, I, so, like, things like that. Like, And, and we've talked about how... Um, very deservedly, but they spent a lot of their budget on getting um, Janina Wright to be playing yes. Aiden and not necessarily a whole bunch on other characters. Yes. Inferno Squad, perfect. Everybody else, we have Shriv. <laughs> We've got Shriv. <laughs> See, that wasn't even my I mean, problem. I, that wasn't- I was very happy with Han- more Han and Maz, though. I mean... That's true. It's not over, the writing. I tried not to overthink it. No, no, no. It. It's, it's not the writing. And I think that's a that's an it's, important yeah, distinction because with, with a novel and to a certain extent with a movie, writing is paramount. Whereas in a video game, execution is, it's heavier. Right. I mean, it's, 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 uh, what, what we're saying is it's the voice acting for some, some people, for others, it's um, the graphics and the rendering and, you know, mm-hmm. how detailed the textures are, et cetera. Um, I actually, I'm trying to think. Of other characters where I was just like, what is going on with your face? And I can't think of any right now, but <laughs> some of them are just really... Well- I, I didn't mind Shriv, because... Did we get no, Carrie No, Shriv is great. It? That's what I'm saying. Shriv is the good Did one. Did we get Carrie oh! to do it? Oh, my God. Did Carrie do it? No. No, she was super dead. Okay, thank you. No, I know, but did they... It, what, did they, like, ta- did they have enough from, like, movies? Because she looked fine. Oh, her character model? Yeah. I mean, I think it helped that it was a hologram. And, like, the voice. No. Her, like, I thought... The- her voice was not her. Her voice was, her voice actress was okay. very good, and I think the, the fact that she was a hologram... I was going to say, was supposed to be, like, kind that of was fine. Um, yeah. With that. Um, but, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, obviously, people, like you said, have their own preferences with gameplay and stuff. Like, I, di- I did much better with um, Witcher 3 than I do with shooters, because um, it's this fucking... Basically, a hack and slash, and I can you know slam buttons until i die <laughs> as opposed to like actually doing oh. gaming um yeah let me let me give a let me give a hot take yeah a video game hot take which is uh for people who are fucking horrible at shooters um there is a game it some of you may know um <laughs> and it is called grand theft auto 5 <laughs> and when you have like you can turn on like auto aim you can turn on like a button that will click when you are it only works, like, when you're on foot, like, with a gun. So, like, it doesn't work when you're driving or anything. But, like, it auto-aims for you if you want it to. Like, you just press the button as long as you're, like, standing. I'm like, that would have made this game more enjoyable for me because I don't really give a shit about being good at shooting. Like, I'm fine with, like, not having auto-aim for, like, the ship part because that's in, like, three... Like, it's more in three dimensions than, like, the rest of the game, blah, blah, blah. I'm like... Man, I missed that. I kept pressing it, and I was like, "Oh no, this is not Grand Theft Auto. This is not going to work." I mean, I, by the way, another great game. Yeah, that that's good. Um, honestly, The Last of Us in 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 terms of that was a pretty good starter console game for me because it also has auto aim, and it's a very li- love an auto aim for people who don't give a shit about shooters. <laughs> um, but Chris, was there anything that um didn't feel good to you in the actual gameplay and the controls and stuff as a person who has had? A lot of experience with games. Obviously, like you said, it's subjective, but I was just curious. No, I think it was. I think it was pretty smooth, and I think that's a testament to 
EA and the experience that EA has and this team has having created the last Battlefront game. Um, making shooters, I think maybe some of the limitations are... I think it's difficult. As, as much as the gaming medium was good for including more detail than we would have been able to include in the movie, the fact that so much of the story has to be told you have to find a balance between cutscenes and actual gameplay, and that leaves potential for things to be missed, I think is difficult. And I think length of the game is also hard. I know this game got a lot of flack for being on the shorter side for its campaign. Um, and I think that they had a story that they wanted to tell, and they only had so much material to fill it. And that, like, the fact that the game was a shorter game, I think some people off and I think that that's uh, again just one of the challenges inherent in the medium that you know doesn't really exist in books or films totally um, which is which is not to say that this is bad or unenjoyable just just talking about the differences between the different mediums I think that this is a story that was absolutely added to by doing it as a video game because and as we're going to talk about having Aiden as the first uh, first Asian leading lady, and particularly first half Asian leading lady in the franchise, uh, is I think incredibly important. And being able to play as her is incredibly important. And I think that's that's immersive in a way that other things couldn't be. I just think it's it's interesting to think about the the pluses and minuses of the medium. Right, and even beyond that, just in a general sense, I think it makes her character journey a lot more poignant when you're starting off. Um, one of the first missions you have is that you're you're on Endor and you're killing rebels and then um, to fairly quickly just turn around on that and then be on Vardos and shooting stormtroopers who were your allies at first. I think that's, I think that's really powerful. No, totally. Kate, did, is, was there other stuff that you wanted to add? Other, like Chris kind of, I think laid the groundwork of it. Being, he didn't like groundwork, but he said it was important. Sorry, Chris. Um, <laughs> did you, did you say, did you want to, say other stuff about why playing as Aiden is super important for the medium as well as like for Star Wars generally so just picking up what you were saying about um Aiden being um the first woman we play as in a Star Wars game and being the first uh main character who is Asian and also mixed it's um something um that is of course significant but also has been the source of um a lot of heartburn in the fandom. I'm not going to touch that in ten foot po- with a ten foot pole because it's so stupid. I want to die, um, <laughs> but I, I just, I just do, I do, I do want to uh, lift up the fact that um, Aiden and Janina Gavanka are groundbreaking in this fandom, and it's, it's so important to have um, heroines who who span. You know, for example, we get we get Rose in the Last Jedi, and she's resistance through and through and she's spunky and you know she's she's definitely her own person and Aiden's the same way but of course she starts out um imperial and we see that they both get really full character arcs even though their character journeys are so so different and to have um such rich stories for both of them um is just so wonderful to see because you know that these are um complex um character journeys that are usually um, left only to white actors and especially male actors. Um, so that was, that was really heartening. And of course, um, I've been mentioning, um, at Chaos Brio a whole bunch on this podcast, but that's because, um, 
you know, in terms in terms of the fandom, he's he he's the kind of the fan face of this video game, um, and for good reason, um, because she loves it so much. But also, um, being um, Asian, but also mixed herself, and you know, just kind of resembling Aiden in terms of her facial features, and she was the first cosplayer to actually make an Aiden costume. Um, you know, like I can't like Aiden. Aiden's absolutely super important to me as um, an Asian woman, but to be um, coming from a background that is so, so close to hers, like, I can't even imagine how amazing that was for Bria. So I just, just want to point that out. Um, and the other thing is that, like, even beyond Aiden, it was really heartening to see that um, the game designers put a lot of thought even into the fucking NPC, like, the NPCs, like, the non-personal characters, like, the random, like, you know, allies you have running around in the background. Like, we had... There were plenty of women. There were women of color. Um, oh gosh, I can't. I I wish I could remember who tweeted this, but um, it was it was a woman um, of Asian descent, and she was pointing out that in the scene between Aiden and Leia, right at the end of the mission on Naboo, she points out that um, just behind Leia, you can see an Asian woman who is dressed in a rebellion uniform, and like you never would have seen that even like three years ago in a video game. And just, like, to acknowledge that that, that, um, you know, that these, these characters are, these types of characters are there and that they matter and that they played a significant role is really awesome. And the other thing is that, um, especially on the, um, on the Resistance side, it was really great to see representation even in, um, non-human species because I think one of the, um, growing complaints in the fandom is that this is a huge galaxy full of plenty of non-human beings and we get to see them like 0.5% of the time. So just like to see all of them, like just all over um, the resistance ships was like, it was just super cool. Definitely. I think it was also uh, in Maz's Cantina, which totally is not surprising because Maz is a badass in and of herself as a character. Um, But yeah, I was just like, I think it was dude heavy, but I think like that's like the impression that we get of Maz's Cantina. Yes, um, <laughs> but I think it was. I mean, like diversity as far. I mean, it's always been diversity as far as aliens c- were concerned. But I vaguely remember like there were a lot of uh, humans or humanoids that you could interact with, and I was like, I think a lot of these people are not white. Way to fucking go, guys! Yeah, no, it was that. That was fantastic. And like Zena Duncan <laughs> um, on Twitter um, at Zena DD. And I are always just being like, there are not enough Twi'leks in anything. <laughs> there are Twi'leks all over this game. Um, you know, Gleb is an Aqualish. Uh, there were just, uh, it was awesome. It was, it was just so great. I saw some Quar and it was super awesome. I was very excited. Can I bring up like one strange tangential point that isn't really, it's not about race, but it is about like other sides of things that we haven't seen before. Sure, bro. Thanks, bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought it was... I mean, we're starting to see this more and more, especially in uh, in the books that we read here on the pod. Um, but I thought the very beginning of this game where we see uh, a, a rebel, um, I don't know what rank he was. Just like, you know, the guy who was in there with Aiden. Does he have a name? Do we know no, who he is? Some dude. Okay, cool. Some, some dude who went in there... Uh, he was some kind of officer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, he goes in there with Aiden and he like 
he goes in there to interrogate her. And same with uh, the, I don't remember what species of alien he is, I'm sorry, um, that uh, is working on ID. He's a Celestin. Thank you. Um, God, fuck. I never know anything. But anyway, those are like very, I don't want to use the word gritty because Chris has ruined it for me. Um, But those are very like realistic wartime views of the um the rebellion that i don't think we've necessarily seen before like we get like a a kind of darker side of that that isn't so dark as like saws (laughs) fucking terrorists right but is definitely like hey this you know this is kind of like the gray area the blurred line you know it happens here too oh yeah totally it's war totally i mean obviously in the original trilogy we get olay and han being interrogated (laughs) tortured um, but we don't really see what, what happens on the rebel side when that, when it goes on. So I think that's a great thing to point out. Right. Yeah. Cause we get this, I mean, I think like, especially in the original trilogy, we get this like squeaky clean version of the rebellion. Oh, hell yeah. And I just kind of like, like the even idea that we can, um, open that up to something more realistic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we thought this game did a great job of that. Totally. Um, more beer. More beer. I had I had one I had one like larger question about this. Um about um what changes in Dell after after and during his encounter with Luke on Pilio and why does he change and why does it have to be him as opposed to Aiden or Hask or somebody else? To me I think Dell was the one who didn't see an alternative. I think Aiden was independent enough to see an alternative. To the Empire because she was so strong-willed that she could just support herself in whatever fashion proved itself. I don't know that Del because he's not a very strong-willed character. He's great. He's just not a very strong-willed character. He's I don't, a cinnamon roll. He is. I, I don't know that he saw an alternative to the Empire. He's kind of a go-along-to-get-along guy. Yeah. And I think Luke showing him not easy but how possible it is to walk away uh, I think was very powerful for him. Right. And obviously he had a significant influence on um, him joining um, the church of the force, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of cool that that moment I, I, when I was rewatching the cutscenes before we recorded this podcast, that moment where um, after he defects and um, they're talking to Leia via hologram and he says, may the force be with you. I was just like, Oh God, you know, this time I was just like, I have so many feelings so many feelings well and that's like it it's subtle but it's meant to be like as significant as we make it but um you know he asks the last luke like why did you help me and luke's like you asked i don't know (laughs) right and then like same thing like at the at the end where like um i don't remember like what who, do you, does anybody remember what that exchange is? It's it's like a mirror image of the first exchange. Um, it's it's when Luke is like, "Can I keep the Can I keep this compass?" And Dell's like, "Why the hell would I let you do that?" And he's like, "Cause I asked." And Dell's like, mm, "Okay, fine." Oh yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Sorry, I couldn't remember the fucking compass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think that's very like, it's so Skywalker. Oh my god. Oh yeah, and it's, it's so Skywalker. And it's super Jedi too, isn't it? It's just like yeah, that's right. Let me yeah. give you with these cryptic ass answers, and you get to grumpy Luke in the Last Jedi, and that falls apart. But it's it's pretty cool. 
Um, so just talking about specific um, intersections between this game and um, the Skywalker saga, there are many. Um, we already talked about um, Han visiting Maz and Takodana, but he's looking for information about the Wookiees and Kashyyyk um, on Chewie's behalf. Foreshadowing. Correct, because that ties right into <laughs> the um, Han and Chewie interlude that we saw in Aftermath, and it'll tie right into Life Debt as well once we read that. Yep. Yeah, it's just an interlude in Aftermath, but it is the A-plot in Life Debt. Good job, story group. You did it. I know, right? Um, and at the end, of course, um, we have Kylo Ren torturing poor Del, who doesn't deserve anything bad in his life, um, ab- about um, the map to Luke and where Lor Senteca is and where he's hiding out. Um, the DLC has even more tie-ins, especially to the sequel trilogy. So we've got Project Pro- blah, 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 blah. Project Resurrection, which is um, how the First Order is filling their ranks. They're kidnapping kids from all these planets, which is um, ostensibly how um, Finn gets drafted into that horrible organization. Um, at the very end, um, Iden and Zay are working to steal um, plans about um, First Order Dreadnoughts, which allows... Poe at the very beginning of The Last Jedi to destroy one. And um, we also see um, while Aiden's on Barda, she can see um, the lasers coming from Circular Base that eventually destroy Hosnian Prime, which is the saddest. And of course, you know, Circular Base blows up or whatever. Um, other... <laughs> <laughs> it's me. Who cares about it's that? Fine. It fine. It's fine. Um, other Easter eggs to other books we've got and other... Star Wars things. Um, we've got a shout out to quote unquote Vice Admiral Sloan. Why we didn't actually see her in this game, I don't fucking know. This also bothers me because she's not a Vice Admiral. <gasps> Wait, really? She's an Admiral. Oh my god, eat my ass, person who wrote this game. Ugh. That's annoying. Um, that is annoying. That's like one of the first. Why would a Vice, why would a vice Admiral be giving orders to Admiral Versio to retreat? because because ev- everybody died but yeah but he's usually, not dead usually he's a full admiral oh and he ain't God. dead that's tr- that's true that's true well that's fucking annoying i don't know that is annoying well i'm annoyed now thanks for that chris yep um the compass that luke uh grabs from the observatory on paleo is the same one that we see in his hut on octo in the last jedi uh what it is for we don't really know but we can possibly extrapolate that it just points the way to various other um places that are strong in the forest or jedi temples or other observatories i think it's i think it's how he found octo yeah but i think that's confirmed in the visual dictionary okay never mind it doesn't point to snoke can you eat my butt um Um, in the Battle of Jakku at the end, if you fly around for long enough, you get, um, some chatter over the comms, um, that tie into other books. So there's a mention of, um, Empire's End, um, they name drop Snap, who is known as Temin, of course, in the first book, and Wedge, um, trying to shoot down some enemies, and... Um, all credit to at Andrew Beanish on Twitter for finding this one for us because I didn't fly around for long enough. Friend of the pod. Wonderful friend of the pod. Not a friend to corn, but a friend of the pod. <laughs> He's very mad that I keep feeding my hamster non-nutritious things such as corn. <laughs> you give him like one corn kernel. I know. 
Unless you're Chris and you want to fatten him up because Chris is... He likes corn. Oh, my God. Fat baby. Fat baby. Um, uh, there is a mention of Thane and Kendi being on Sienna's ship. And uh, someone on the Rebellion side is like, uh, can someone go get them because the ship is going down? Because Thane's busy having a fucking fist fight with Sienna. I don't have feelings about that. No. <laughs> Oh my god, I was just thinking about that watching the cutscenes today. I was like, um, th- aren't Thane and Kendi somewhere? Um, uh, uh, what's going on with Thane and Sienna? Um, uh, uh, oh no, <laughs> which one of these, like, blown up things is them? This is not good. And if you would like to know more, n- know more about Thane and Sienna, please read Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. Um, and listen to our episodes on yes, that. Please. And the bonus with at Poppy Ashwright. Long lost lover of Lost Stars. What? We were just talking about that today. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that today. Anyway, um, <laughs> one of my favorite, possibly my favorite Easter eggs is uh, Shrove saying Carabas, which is, of course, the thing that Zeb says on Rebels. Zeb. Because that's a swear, apparently, that happens in the galaxy far, far away. And finally, um, while Kylo Ren is trying to bust into Del's memories, um, there's, you know, you get these little snippets um from Dell's past, and one of them is actually the dialogue of the toast that Aiden gives at the very end of Inferno Squad, and she toasts uh, Sen Marana, who is who was the fourth member of Inferno Squad, who unfortunately died during the course of events of that novel, um, and we don't actually meet her. Um, so I've got one final question for y'all. Um, in your opinion, what are good types of stories to tell through video games and also um in terms of that like what are some examples of stories that we've already seen or read or whatever that um possibly could have been told just as well through a game i feel like i don't know enough about video games to answer this question because <laughs> this is like the first one that i played that has had like a real story other than <laughs> aforementioned grand theft auto 5 <laughs> But that, like, it's self-contained, right? It's like, I don't know. I don't think we have a a lot of other video games that are, like, cross-media like this is. I mean, certainly not in this this much quality. Uh, Certainly not in a way that ties in as canon so much. Right. I mean, we have, I think, I think the thing that might come closest is something like Assassin's Creed, because I know there are books about that, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's Halo books, too. Yeah, but... Mm, okay, whatever. I wouldn't. Were those like after the fact? Those are more tie-in books than okay than same universe books. Um, so you're telling me our podcast has like a reason to exist because Star Wars is very unique in what it's doing, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say I think the best stories to tell through games have to be character driven. I, I think they can't be. I think they, you know, something looking you know back at games that are no longer canon but at like a knights of the old republic where it's very character driven rpg style um i would love to uh, the rumor is that uh the rumor is that ea is hiring for a studio to take over visceral games canceled open world game uh we'll see if that happens because i need another open world game to play because i have like five yeah right uh well it wouldn't come out for like five years so you have some time do you know, Chris, you've literally seen how slow I play video games. I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn right now, and it's with basically, the, to make a long story short, I my only weapon is a bow and arrow, and I am so bad at it. I'm so bad at it. It's going to take me three years to finish this game. 
Yeah, it's not cool. It's, it, I'm really bad at video games, all of them. I still haven't finished Grand Theft Auto Five I'm yet. I'm not special bad. It's fine. Um, you should play Grand Theft Auto Five though, Kate. You would love it. I know. I've told you that every day of your life. But... <laughs> Literally. Um, I think Chris, have you played it? Not five. No, I played. Um. Oh my god. I think four. Fucking... I think five's like cheap as shit now. Please just. Yeah, I have like. Three uh, it's games so fucking good. I know, but. Come on. Um, I think other games... I actually think Aftermath would work really well as a game. Oh, that'd be fun. Oh, my God. I think I... Chuck Wendig's writing in general translates is... very well to gaming. It is. And you can play it as all the different characters. Because it's character-driven. Exactly. But, yeah, but you can be like, yes. Sorry for scaring you, tr- Chuck. I didn't mean oh to. But it's like, yes, like, you could be yes sniping things or Mr. Bones just being fucking murder. Yeah, exactly. Murder weapon. That'd be so fucking fun or oh, like singer sneaking around and like murdering people mm-hmm. <gasps> guys that'd be so good <laughs> it'd be pretty cool all right well i think that wraps us up uh thank you very much to, for listening to this very special bonus episode of the book wars pod uh next episode that this will very likely be coming out before the legends of luke skywalker episode so we're reading legends of luke skywalker by ken Liu, the whole book uh, in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at BookWarsPod. Uh, email us, BookWarsPod at gmail.com. Uh, and please, please rate, review, and subscribe to both us and Tashi, Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you're so inclined, donate to the Tashi Station Radio Patreon. Uh, it really helps us cover our cost for hosting and production for the podcast. That is our show. Our theme song is Whizbang by Coddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Terra Design. I'm Chris for Kate and Kristen. Thank you so much for listening to The Horse Pod, and we'll talk to you next time. Did she leave? No, she's still here. She's just drinking her <laughs> gin. I need more. <laughs> so pure. Stop. This is not Seinfeld. Get out of here. <laughs> Kate, I'm sorry. Remind me. Kate just spit out her tea. <laughs> Do you know how often he does that to me? Hi, guys. Stop. This is not an episode of Seinfeld. I just swallowed an air bubble. It hurts really bad. <laughs> <laughs>